Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. I trust you have been enjoying what we've been sharing from the book of Revelation. Man, it's almost impossible, even though we've shared probably almost 130 programs on this, to exhaust this incredible subject because it so connects with everything else in the Bible. Uh, it is like the promise given, the promise fulfilled. Uh, it is like, it, uh, as we've shared uh, in the last couple of segments, we're dealing with chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, and we are coming to the conclusion of this particular series. We will soon release the audio portions of this so that you can order them. Uh, but until then, it is available to you right now on YouTube if you'd like to go back and view anything we've shared from date on the whole entire book of Revelation. We've gone chapter by chapter and dealt with it in the context of what was happening, and you can view that at your leisure for free on YouTube by simply going there uh, to our YouTube page that you might have life, or Google my name there, and it will come up. We have all kind of stuff out there. Also, it is available on iTunes. You can go there and uh, sign up for our podcast, and the audio portions of this will be delivered straight to your smart device. Uh, we're dealing with the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Like I said, we're coming to the conclusion of this book, and uh, I want to just begin to read again uh, today from chapter 22, and we'll continue to unpack this as we uh, flow today in the studio. He said, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as a crystal. It was proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve banner fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. We dealt with those two scriptures, and we've actually filmed two programs, basically, for each verse. So I'm not going to go back and do too much review. Verse 3 said, There was no more curse. The curse has been reversed. It is almost as if you see creation that came in Genesis that was cursed. Adam has a garden, turns it into a graveyard. Jesus takes a graveyard, He turns it into a garden. Adam has access to a tree of life, and he chooses a tree of death, and Jesus chooses a tree of death, and he turns it into a tree of life. It is almost as if, well, it's not almost as if, it is the curse has been reversed. Jesus was made a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law and from every curse. You're not up under any kind of curse, <coughs> excuse me, under any shape, fashion, or form. I think that's incredibly good news. But there, shall, but there shall be no curse there. <coughs> but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Excuse me. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. Now let me uh, read this scripture to you uh, from, Gen or not from Genesis, from Revelation 3.12, because here's the promise given, Revelation 3.12, and the promise fulfilled, Revelation 22. In Revelation 3.12, he says, To him that overcometh, I will make a pillar <coughs> in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Here's the promise given to him that overcometh in chapter 3. Somebody must have overcame because of Revelation 22, verse 4, he says, And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. 
Uh, also, you can note that in Revelation 14, those that follow the, the Lamb on Mount Zion have their Father's name written in their foreheads. And to me, the Father's name is more than just something tattooed across your head, but it is His nature, His attributes, <coughs> His characteristics. Uh, hallelujah. They are the people of God. And uh, here's another one. It says in, in chapter, uh, uh, as you go on down here, the next verse says, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Promise given, Revelation 2, verse 26 through 28 says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter, Shall they be broken to shivers as I have received my Father, and I will give him the morning star. That's the promise given in Revelation 2, 26. But in chapter 22, verse 5, it says that there shall be no night there. And they no need no night, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Let me just take you with that thought uh, also quickly uh, over into the book of Isaiah chapter number 60 because this is kind of, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see in the book of Isaiah is actually almost verbatim word for word, the kind of stuff that you read when you get over here in the book of Revelation. But Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about and see, all they gather themselves together, they come to thee, thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then shalt thou see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee, and the forces of the Gentiles shall come. I, 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 I want to reiterate that in the last program we talked about, you know, I mean, this, this, this is a, a scripture in Isaiah 60 that to me, uh, from Isaiah 60, or actually probably from about uh, chapter 40 on in the book of Isaiah, begins to shift into kind of declaring a whole lot of stuff about the new covenant. And you know in past segments we've dealt with Isaiah 65 and 66 and how it deals with uh, and coincides with the new Jerusalem. And the new Jerusalem is not over in the Middle East somewhere. It is the bride, the lamb's wife. It is the community of faith. It is the, it is the uh, uh, old Jerusalem has faded. The new Jerusalem has now come on the scene. The old garden has been destroyed and now God's bringing a new garden. Uh, that when he begins to preach this stuff, listen, listen, if you could just move away from carnal thinking enough to realize that this light that he's talking about is not some physical light like a beam shining, but it is the light that is now upon us of the glorious gospel. Arise and shine, for your light has already come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. And he tells you that what's going to happen is that there is darkness. People say to us, you know, when we teach like this, well, Brother Howes, you know, you're teaching the city of God and you're teaching uh, that we're living in the millennial reign. And you're talking about the kingdom is now present, but uh, what about all these problems? Well, what I'm preaching is that the kingdom that now is, is the answer to those problems. 
the people of God that are in the earth, the tree of life that's on both sides of the river that we talked about in the last segment, is to heal the nations. We're going to see even in this chapter uh, 22, clear, clear at the end of this book, outside this city are dogs and whoremongers and whoever loves and makes the lie. So there's still got to be somebody that needs what's in this city of God, what's in this people of God. They still need this great river that's flowing out of the throne, which is the kingdom of God. They still need the flow of this great river of life that's flowing out of this slain lamb and out of his finished work to touch the nations of the earth. Because Isaiah prophesies here, and he said, you know what? Darkness is going to cover the earth, and gross darkness will cover the people. But his glory shall arise upon thee. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I believe God is causing an emerging church to come into such a revelation that there is an arising and a light is beginning to come like a beacon because the gross darkness that's been upon the people is about to be rebuked by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ as His glory is seen upon us. And then the Bible says, and then the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see all they gather together. They come from far. And they come to thee. Thy son shall come from far. Thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then shalt thou see and flow together. Thine heart shall fear and be enlarged. Because the abundance of the sea. See that to me the abundance of the sea is not just talking about we're going to go catch a bunch of uh, literal physical fish. This is kind of the fulfillment of what Jesus said to his disciples. I'm going to make you fishers of men. There's a great harvest that continues to come as the light of this city and this river that flows. Remember in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, this river flowed, and when it flowed into the sea, when it flowed into the sea, the sea was healed. Uh, when you see this great river of God flow into the dead sea of humanity, life begins to be the result. Harvest begins to come, and the abundance of the sea is converted to thee. And then the forces and the wealth of the Gentiles begin to come unto thee. The multitude of the camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. They shall show forth the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with thee uh, with acceptance upon mine altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are these that fly as the clouds, as, as the doves to their windows? Who are these, he says, that fly as the clouds, and as the doves to the windows? Sure, the isles shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish shall bring thy sons from far, uh, and their silver, their gold with them, under the name of the Lord thy God, to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee, and the sons of the strangers shall build up thy walls, and their kings shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. Therefore thy gates shall be opened continually. I mean, this is almost verbatim, word for word, Revelation 21 and 22. And that they shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, that their kings may be brought for the nation and the kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall not shall be utterly wasted. The glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee, the fir tree, the pine tree, the box together, and to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. You know, we think about these trees and different things like that, but he says the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedars of Lebanon. All these trees to me speak of the uh, 
the tree, of, just like we said a while ago, the tree of life is not just a physical tree someplace, but it is a spiritual dimension that touches the nations and heals them. The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee, and they shall, uh, and they that despise thee shall bow themselves down. The souls of thy feet they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy of many generations. And it goes on to just talk about the blessing that will come. And Well, let me skip down here. Verse 18 says, Violence shall be no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates praise. I mean, this is almost verbatim, word for word, comparisons to Revelation 21 and 22. I've already talked about Revelation 21, about the gates shall be called praise, and his walls shall be called salvation. Look at this, almost verbatim again. The sun shall be no more thy light by day. <coughs> Remember, he says that they won't need the light of the sun there. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the light. Here it is in Isaiah. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. And thy God, thy glory. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. In other words, the curse, <coughs> excuse me, has been reversed. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. What a powerful promise. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one, a strong nation. In other words, God has sent exponential growth. <coughs> Excuse me. And growth is coming as a result of God being the light of this city and a people walking in the light of this glorious, glorious gospel. Uh, when I see that, I'm just, I get excited about it. I, I think about even where... Isaiah prophesied in, in uh, chapter number 5 of Isaiah, and he's prophesying, I believe it is, six woes. Woe to them who build house to house. Woe to them who draw iniquity with cords. And woe to them who rise up early to drink strong drink till wine doth inflame. And he just prophesying, woe, woe, woe. I mean, one after the other. And then he stops in the middle of that. <coughs> and chapter 6 opens. And when chapter 6 of Isaiah opens, he says this. He says, all of a sudden there was a seraphim that flew through the midst of the heavens and began to cry, holy, holy, holy. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And uh, the angel began to cry, holy, holy, holy. Remember, Isaiah is prophesying, woe, woe, woe in chapter 5. But that's not what heaven was saying. Heaven was saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of His glory. And when those angels begin to cry, holy, 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 the Bible said that the post of the pillars of the house begin to move in an earthquake, and waters begin to issue out from underneath the threshold of the house of God. Uh, when I begin to think about that, see, I think in terms of this, the message that God is wanting to release in this hour is not one of woe, woe, woe. It is one of holy, holy, holy. See, if you're going to preach whoa, 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 it's because your focus is in the realm of the earth. It depends on where you're looking at, what you're going to preach, and what you're going to prophesy. If you're looking at the realm of the earth, you're going to say whoa, whoa, whoa. But when you look into the heavens, you're going to declare holy, holy, holy. And what heaven is saying is holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And when that message began to be released, Isaiah stops and he says, man, 
Woe is me because my lips are unclean and undone. I submit to you that what he was saying is, I've been prophesying woe, 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 and that's my, why my lips are unclean. Because heaven is not saying woe, woe, woe. Heaven is saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. You get into the book of Revelation chapter number 4, and that's what they're crying. When they see the one seated on the throne, it's holy, holy, holy. When you get into the Revelation 22, there's a throne, and in that throne there's a river running out of it. And I submit to you that river is running out of it because they are no longer crying, woe, woe, woe. All the woes are past. The curse has been reversed. And they are now declaring, holy, holy, holy. And as they declare, holy, 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 in Isaiah chapter 6, a river begins to run out from underneath of the threshold of the house of God. And Isaiah says to the angel, take a coal off that altar, touch my lips because my lips are unclean. And when I think back and I look at the altar, that they took that coal off of. The fire that ignited that coal came from the brazen altar where the sin offering was given, where the blood was shed. See, in other words, what ought to ignite our praise and worship and our message ought to be from the perspective of the finished work of Jesus Christ. What we need is we need God to take a coal from off of this altar. See, because any, if, if the fire from the altar did not light this incense, or the fire from the altar of sacrifice where the blood was shed did not light the candlestick. If the fire that lit everything from here on in did not come from a revelation, if you will, of the finished work of the sacrifice of Jesus, if our prayer, our praise, and our worship, the altar of incense, is not ignited by the fire that comes from a revelation of His finished work, it is strange fire, ladies and gentlemen. But when that fire that comes from that finished work touches our lips, it releases a word from us that's not crying, woe, 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 but a message that's crying, holy, holy, holy. And all of a sudden, water begins to issue out, and a river begins to flow out of the most holy place, out of the temple of God, out of your belly flows rivers of living water. I love how one of the prophets said it like this. He said, the wilderness... And the solitary place shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom abundantly. And he talked about Isaiah, you know, Ezekiel was over there and he was in a river that had water that was knee deep and then waist deep and then uh, waters that you had to swim in. And I, I'm convinced that that water was issuing towards uh, the cities that were on uh, the banks of that river, and everything this river touches lives. I'm, I'm, what are you saying, Dr. House? What I'm trying to tell you is when the real message of the gospel of grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ and the gospel of His kingdom and the reigning Jesus, when God's people really begin to realize who they are and what they're here for, that this is not all some mystical place on a planet three miles south of Mars, somewhere in the distant future, but something that we have access to right now. And we begin to release a word like this. That's why I'm so thankful that you, our partners, have helped us to take this gospel around the world, is because everything it touches lives. I'm convinced of the power of the gospel. You know, one of the things that I've become more and more confident as I have preached this, and it's almost like sometimes swimming against the tide, but it's been, the response to this has been 90-something uh, percent positive of people who are calling in for the first time and saying, this makes sense. This takes the fear out of the equation. This sets us free. I'll tell you why. Because it's a river that touches. And when it does, it's a river you've got to get in and swim in. It's a river that's flowing 
out of the most holy place. It's a river that's coming from a message that's not crying, whoa, 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 but holy, holy, holy. A message that declares uh, that, you know, uh, God is our glory. The light of this city is the Lord. He said there'll be no night there. We're not living in a season of night. We're not, we're not children of the, uh, uh, of the night. We are children of the day. And, and that this day uh, of the Lord that was passing off of the scene did not come upon them like a thief, but it was a day uh, when God was literally establishing and releasing uh, and declaring what this new creation. See, remember again, Revelation 21 and 22 follow upon the heels of the destruction of another city. It's a tale of two cities. It's a harlot city being replaced by a virgin city. It is, if you will, a Babylonian system being replaced by a, a hallelujah, a holy nation. It is apostate old Jerusalem being destroyed, burnt by the Romans, but God giving birth to the new Jerusalem. It is the old creation passing off of the scene and behold all things becoming new. It is the old tabernacle being destroyed and the old temple being dissolved and melted with fervent heat and is a new tabernacle coming on the scene. That old tabernacle had death coming out of it. This new tabernacle's got a river running out of it. This temple is us. This city is us. It's not a place. It's a people. And what flows out of this heals the nations. I, I, you know, I, uh, I, I, I thought I was going to be able to finish this in just a couple segments, but I'm going to have to take my time and unfold this. But the, I, I'm telling you, there is a glory of God. You know, again, we see the promise given in chapter 2 of the book of Revelation, He that overcometh the keys of my works, to the end to him will I give power over the nations. Authority to change the circumstances is going to have to come from a people who are overcomers. And then he goes on to say, He shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall be broken into shivers as I received of my Father, and I will give him the morning star. And in Revelation 21, that promise is fulfilled when he said, There shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And then we see the same verbiage and the same terminology used in Isaiah 60, Arise and shine, your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. See, we need to stop being fearful and stop planning for evacuation and start planning for occupation. And we need to begin to realize that we are here to change the circumstances. You know, if you think you're on a ship that's sinking, you're not going to polish the brass. But when you realize you're here to make a change and to affect the nations of the earth and to take <coughs> this river to places. You know, it talks about in, in, in the prophet Isaiah again, talks about this river will flow into the marshlands. It'll flow into the areas where people are in the swamps, where it's a habitation of frogs and unclean spirits. And, and all of a sudden, this river begins to flood it, and God begins to change everything. Ah, there is a river <coughs> whereof the streams make glad the city of God. That river is in our and flowing out of our belly. Uh, we are once again, let me just grab this as well while I'm here. I've got just a few more moments in this segment. But Revelation chapter 22, verse 6, he says, he reiterates this. He said, unto me, these sayings are faithful and they're true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things, watch this, which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them, and I heard them. 
And seeing, I fell down at the feet uh, to worship before the feet of the angel that showed me these things. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of the brethren and the, of the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. <coughs> and he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of the book, for the time is at hand. Now see, when I read this, again, I want to tell you that the book of Revelation began by saying, these things are about to shortly come to pass. Behold, I come quickly. The eminence verses follow a continuity throughout this book and even towards the end of this book in chapter 22. He's not telling you that this is for some distant future. He's saying to them, Behold, I come quickly. These things are about to shortly come to pass. Matter of fact, he told Daniel, and we'll get into this in the next segment. He told Daniel in his prophecy, he said, seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for your prophecy is for a distant future. For Daniel, it was over 600 years in the future. But for John the Revelator, he tells John, don't seal up the words of this prophecy because the time is at hand. That doesn't mean it was for 2,000 years and counting. That meant it would have some relevance to this first century and to the churches that were there. And then from there on out, from this finished work, would be ongoing effects as this river continues to flow, this city continues to grow, uh, this garden continues to be expanded until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You say, Brother Haas, what are you saying? I'm telling you it's going to get better instead of get worse, especially if we'll preach the gospel. You know, even historically or, or, or statistically, things are getting better than they've ever been before. And I know that's hard for us to hear when we've been taught such a worldview that's warped. Because we're taught that it's got to get worse and worse and worse. And that's because we see those scriptures about it waxing worse in the wrong context. He was talking to a first century church or first century people in Matthew 24 when he said that. But in my lifetime, polio has been eradicated. Smallpox no longer exists. There's less famine than there's ever been before on the planet, statistically. There's less war. We see 24-7 news and we think, well, it's really bad out there because that's the mindset we get. But I'm telling you, even with bad theology, there's more people on the planet per capita today that are believing in Jesus than ever before in human history. I understand that Arabs are getting saved by the thousands in the Middle East because Jesus is physically appearing to them or appearing to them in dreams and they're giving their hearts to Jesus. What are you saying? I'm saying the gospel works, Jesus wins, and the church is victorious. That shouldn't make you mad. That should make you shout. We've run out of time. God bless you. Tune in again next week and uh, take a moment to call that number on the screen. If you'd like to, you can sow a seed into the ministry by calling the number on the screen or use your credit card, your debit card. You can also go to our website and all of our products are there and the ability to give, sow online. Become a partner with us or sow a one-time seed. We really do need some partners that are going to commit to uh, standing with us on a monthly basis. And the more the Lord allows us uh, to have, we're going to continue to expand our ministry on the basis of that. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.